You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. So if you're looking for any type of batteries, whether it's for your truck, your car, your trail cameras, your rangefinder, stop into a local Interstate Batteries retail location. There are thousands upon thousands of them all over the United States. Talk with a battery specialist and get the batteries that you need to go on with your life. Interstate Batteries outrageously dependable what's up guys my name is parker mcdonald and i'm your host and you are listening to the southern ground hunting podcast all right everybody welcome back to the southern ground hunting podcast i've got a um just a a group of buck killers that are we're going to be talking to today and uh we've got a lot of fun stories to kind of go over and go into tactics and things like that but really what this episode is going to be about is um just kind of highlighting the ability to hunt the rut in different times of the year or different times of the season in Alabama. I want to highlight that a lot because the, the the two guys that I'm talking to, of course, are Drew Robbins, who is the co-host of this show, and uh, he's actually right here on the line. Drew, how's it going? Going good, Parker. Yeah, man, I'm I'm excited. I'm I'm tagged out. I've killed more deer mm. this year than I have than I have in my whole entire life, and so in in one season. So I'm jacked up about that. <laughs> um, and so. I that, got them all quartered up. Got that's a big so deal. I mean, it's, it's a this is a big deal. This is the first is, time you've man. tagged out in Alabama. That's really yeah. Oh cool. yeah. Um. So I'm yep. excited about that. We've also got Jordan Pope, who's going to be joining us here in just a minute. Um. And Jordan is from not terribly far away from where we're at. He is actually incredibly close. And has a completely different rut that he gets to hunt. And Jordan has killed two solid bucks. I guess, really, he's killed three bucks. He's tagged out on bucks in the last, um, uh, like, three weeks, I guess. Two and a half, three weeks. And But in the last two days, he he's killed two great bucks. And uh, one of them being this morning. So, um, we got him on the line. We're going to just kind of talk about the differences in in what we see as far as throughout the year. And hopefully what this does is if you don't live in Alabama, it will give you the um, – maybe just kind of put a a bug in your ear. Maybe it could be a great place for you to come and be able to hunt a different rut at a different time of the year um, than where you are hunting the rut in your home state. Um, there's a lot of great places like that. I know Mississippi is um, heating up right now in a lot of, a lot of the state. Alabama is just now getting started, and in fact, it will um, – it will continue really past deer season. Um, I've talked about it before, but I killed yeah. a buck several years ago, Drew. I, I think you've heard me talk about it. Um, I killed a buck on the last day of the season on February 10th. That was, I mean, running does like I've never seen before, which is amazing. I mean, it really is. Yeah. It really is amazing to see that he was running like three different does around 
and they were all three acting hot. So I'm, I, I always, I will always remember that as being like, it's not over until it's over. It's not over till the fat lady sings. So if you're not tagged out on bucks yet, do not give up and maybe, maybe look around, see if you got some public land somewhere where the rut might be uh, a little bit later. But before we get into that and, and talking to these guys who are just, just straight up killers, um, we're going to get into a, a little bit of a, uh, a thank you segment to the people who make this podcast possible. We're going to talk about Scree gear. Um, Scree has been just yeah. an incredible company to us. They've supported Southern ground and, um, man, I've, I've loved using their stuff. Drew, I know you have as well. And, uh, I don't, I don't want to, you yes. know, rehash anything that we've talked about, but if you haven't checked out Scree gear and you're in the market for some, just awesome hunting camo um, that is very much a system that um, works. Man, I, I've used it hot weather in Kentucky, cold weather in Kentucky, cold weather here in Alabama. I've just used it a lot, and it's been it's been super great. Rain, snow, wind, heat, whatever, and, and they have something for you. So if you want to go and check that out, you can go to ScreeGear.com, and uh, you can use the code SOUTHERNGROUND, all one word, all lowercase, at checkout. And um, you will uh, get uh, a little bit off of your order. So um, another company that we absolutely love and we love to talk about is Tethered Nation. Tethered is um, making some of the greatest saddles that exist right now. I'm actually, Drew, um, I, I don't know if you spend a whole lot of time on the the Facebook forums. And we can talk, we talk about this maybe just a little bit too much. But it, it is kind of fun to talk about. On the Facebook forums, uh, there is a, a trigger word um, and maybe it's not so much of a trigger word. It's a word that triggered people use a lot, and it is fanboy. Have you heard that on those pages? I I have heard that. Yes, I have. So I have. And the, here's the thing: it, the the way a company gets these quote unquote fanboys is by making great stuff and taking care of their customers. So the next time you hear somebody say, "Oh, you're just a," You're just a fanboy for whatever company you're talking about. It, it can be a daggum bow company or saddles, uh, boats, whatever, whatever it is. If you if you hear people saying, well, you're just a fanboy, maybe that is a company that you should be looking into because you don't get the title. Companies don't get fanboys without doing something right. Would you agree with that, Drew? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, what's the opposite of fanboy? Like, you know, uh, a disgruntled person that doesn't like your product i mean you know so <laughs> exactly. like like if you like that that's what's so confusing i mean and and guys i mean it's it's especially here in alabama you know alabama auburn we're all fans of somebody you know and and so uh uh so it's, it's not necessarily a bad thing you know and two it's like we talked about a couple weeks ago man you got keyboard warriors out there man just just if if you don't agree with somebody's statement just keep on scrolling you know and if, and if you don't if if you don't want to do the tether stuff, which I don't understand why, because they're it's got great stuff, then but if if you go with somebody else and say hey, that's cool, that that's also what sets tethered apart too, is because they're here to build the saddle community, not just their brand, yeah, um, which is really cool. Yeah, and and I can tell you, I know all those guys personally, and they're upstanding guys. They they just want to see people. Um, learn about saddle hunting. They don't care what kind you're using. Obviously, they'd rather you use their stuff because that's how they make money. That's how they have a business. But at the end of the day, right. um, we're deer hunters and we're a community. And um, I want to hold that thought, though, 
because um, after we talk about this next company real fast, I want to I want to go back to something. I want to tell you a funny story that happened to me today. Um, but uh, the next company that we want to talk about is, of course, New Canoe. And if you are interested in getting into a kayak, whether it be for fishing, uh, deer hunting, turkey hunting, waterfowl, whatever it is, I can tell you this, New Canoe is going to be your best option um, for all of those things. If you are a person who likes to have a lot of space, you like to have a lot of stability, and you like to um, look freaking stylish while you're doing all of those things, then New Canoe is obviously going to be the best option. I've loved mine, and uh, I think you'll, you would love it too. So um, check out NewCanoe.com if you're interested in doing that. And feel free always to, uh, to reach out to me personally on Facebook, Instagram, whatever. And uh, if you have questions about how to set up a kayak for hunting, um, specifically for hunting, um, reach out to me. I'd be glad to, to help in, in any way I can. I love doing it. As most of you guys know, that's my, that's kind of my, my thing. I love it and, uh, be happy to help. So Drew, I want to tell you about something funny that happened and then we're going to get kind of into this episode with, uh, with you and Jordan. So, <laughs> um, so today actually really it's been, it's been fairly regularly lately. Um, YouTube has really just first off it's blown up like it's it's doing a great job in the last um little bit really since we started it it's been it's been growing consistently since yeah. we started the new channel but um right now shameless plug right now we are at uh let me see uh 3990 subscribers on YouTube so that we started the channel back in like late June uh early July somewhere around there and uh, at this point in the season, we're at almost 4,000, which is pretty stinking cool. So I have a lot of goals and a lot of, you know, hopes and dreams that are going to go into that over the, the year 2021, which, by the way, uh, Happy New Year. It's uh, This is going to be the first episode of the new year, which is, yes, it is. Which is cool. Um, but, you know, yes. we're 10 away right now from uh, from being at 4,000, which for me, that is just I'm super excited about. I wanted to say thank you to everybody who supported it and uh, and watched the videos. We've really enjoyed making those and uh, and uh, put them in front of you. So, um, but uh, on this last video that I did, um, it was a video from Tennessee where I shot like I shot three deer. Uh, our buddy Jeremy from the Hunt and Sobs shot two, and I mean we just we just tore up the deer that day in Tennessee on their farm and. Dude, trolls have come out of the woodwork on this one video, <laughs> and I don't know what it is. I literally can't figure out why this video, out of all of our videos, why this one has just triggered so many people. But I got this funny comment, and uh, and I wanted to read it because it was just it was just so funny. I can't <laughs> I can't put into uh, I can't really explain it. But the the reason why it's so funny is um, people are so, like, so in this video, I passed up a coyote, right? Like there was this big, gigantic coyote that came out and I was going to shoot it when it was going to give me a pretty easy shot, but then it kind of ran away. It caught my wind, ran away and I had more shots at it. But I just, I was like, you know what? Ammo shortage right now is kind of rough. It's hard to find 30 out six bullets. So I'm just going to, you know, let it walk. I'm here to kill deer, not coyotes. And, uh, and this is just a big, beautiful coyote. But um, people have really been triggered by the fact that I didn't shoot this coyote. Which, if you do any amount of extensive research, and by that I mean just Google it, um, 
you can you can find a lot of studies that say that shooting one coyote or two coyotes during deer season doesn't do anything. In fact, it it could be more harmful than good to the coyote population because what it does is it takes a uh, if you shoot one of those big alpha dogs like that, you could stand the the chance of another one moving in and you know basically just breeding like crazy and. They're, they're pack animals. They survive because they're pack animals, and they know how to keep their pack healthy. And so if one coyote dies, then they'll make more. They will breed and make more. And and the ones who are kind of more of the quote-unquote wanderers, they'll move in. They're looking for a home range. Those big alphas, they're looking for a home a home area. There's a lot of studies to prove that, so you can look it up. Um, but this this the fact that I didn't shoot that coyote has pissed off a lot of people, which is amazing to me. Um, but this guy, this guy said something funny. He said, "Your ear, number one, your earrings are stupid." And that was it. That was number one. Um, so I don't know why that that one comment just got me. Yeah, it cracked me up. Your earrings are stupid. Number two, shoot the yote and worry about ammo over the upcoming season. I'm like, okay, like, but I didn't want to. So why would I do that? And number three, if you're worried about ammo, why did you take shots at a deer that weren't clear? So I want to, I want to talk about that for a second. Um, uh, on his number two, the number one, we're not even going to address that. If you don't like gauges in my ears, and uh, I don't care, I'm going to keep them. Um, the second one, shoot the coyote, worry about ammo over the upcoming season. Number one, um, I searched all over the place for thirty out six and couldn't find any. Number two, um, like I didn't want to shoot the, the coyote. I already talked about that. But number three, if you're worried about ammo, why did you take the shots of deer that weren't clear? So I've realized over the past, um, I don't know, really since we started this podcast and uh, since I started making videos, like I take a lot of shots that are um, not necessarily in like wide open areas. And most of that's because I'm hunting thick areas, which when we talk to guests, Drew, what is – one of the number one things that the people that we talk to who kill good deer, what's the num- one of the number one things that they say to be where to where to find hunt? the thickest nastiest, find the thickest nastiest spot you can on the whole piece and hunt right there. Exactly. So it, it's kind of it's kind of blown me away to see how many people really aren't doing that. And you hear a lot of people like, oh, there's no deer on public land. There's no deer in my area. There's no big bucks here. Whatever. And um, I think maybe that may be part of the issue is these people are not hunting in these areas. Like you're going to take shots where you have to thread the needle. If you're going to hunt thickets, mm-hmm. if you're going to hunt thick areas, you're going to have to thread the needle more times than not. I'm not telling people to take, you know, uh, unnecessary shots, you know, try to find the, the most open area that you have. But at the same time, man, I'm, I feel like I've had pretty decent success killing deer and like that's that's just how you have to do it. You know, you have to do that. And sometimes you're gonna hit stuff. Like, especially with a bow. I've yeah. I've learned that the hard way. And quite honestly, like I probably am gonna keep taking those shots, um, because that's the areas that I'm hunting. So it's unapologetic. Right. I'm, I'm, I don't feel bad about it. The, the The reality is, is most of these guys who we're talking to don't have YouTube channels, and you can't watch the shots that they're taking. All you're seeing is the deer that they're killing. And um, but I've talked to plenty of them on a regular basis, and that's what they're doing, man. I mean, you have to take shots in thick areas, and so 
Um, anyways, I thought that that was an interesting talking point, something interesting to bring up um, because that was fresh. The guy actually made that comment like 15 minutes ago. And, uh, and so I was like, you know, I kind of want to talk about that on the podcast because, you know, one of the things that we, you know, I try to tell people all the time is that same thing. Find the thickest, nastiest stuff you can find and hunt it. Like that's where bucks are going to be at. The reason you're not seeing them in the wide open hardwoods is because they're in the thickest, nastiest stuff. And, um, you just find a way to kill them. You find a way to get in there and kill them. So, um, anyways, that is a shameless plug for the YouTube channel. If you're not subscribed, like I said, we got 10 more before we get to um, 4,000. So, I'm pretty excited about that. But, we've been talking long enough. I want to take a moment to introduce today's guest on the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast, Mr. Jordan Pope from Northern Alabama. Jordan, how's it going, buddy? Good, how are you? Doing just peachy. Now that I got all that off my chest, I know you heard all that, but got all that off my chest and I'm feeling better about life than ever. But I know you are probably feeling a whole lot better about life today because uh, you had some success this morning, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you guys may know Jordan. Um, You may recognize that name because we actually talked to Jordan. uh, Man, it was probably back in April, March or April. Uh, Was it... No, it was at the end of the season, so it would have been April, right? It's like right there, yeah. early May, end of April, I think. And uh, Jordan yeah. crushed some turkeys in like, what was it, was it like four birds in four days or something like that? Four birds in five days is what it was. Four birds in five days. That is outstanding. Like that is, uh, it's pretty stinking cool. And, um, it, it kind of has worked the same way for you during deer season. And, uh, so tell us a little bit about where you're at. I mean, you don't obviously have to tell us everything cause I don't want people swarming your area, but tell us a bit about, a little bit about where you live, what your hunting style is and, um, you know, what you do for a living and things like that for people who haven't listened to that Turkey episode. Uh, I'm from Florence, Alabama. Uh, as far as the kind of stuff I hunt is generally the same thing as you for deer. Uh, we look for transition edges and like bedding transitioning into or out of hardwoods, maybe look for food sources. We kind of cut close to private a lot of times just because of the food sources and bedding coming to and from it, things like that. And, uh, as you can see, some days it works out. But as far as what I do for a living, I'm a union plumber. So, okay, okay, that's cool. All right, so you um you live there in North Alabama, really, like we said before, not that far away from where we're at here in um, in North Alabama as well, and really kind of experiencing a completely different rut than than what we get here. Not by just a, a long stretch like some of the state is, but um, definitely by a pretty good, you know, few weeks there. So what's your rut typically like, um, where you're hunting at? So from what I've gathered for myself personally, just from looking at kills in the past and pinning down dates, it really looks like it heats up that week before Christmas and goes into the first week of January. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's uh, that's that's kind of what I figured for where you're at. And I know where I hunt, you know, yeah. which is, again, as a crow flies, really not that far away from where you're at. Uh, where I'm hunting at and where Drew's doing a lot of his hunting at as well is um, right there around the beginning of December. So I, t- I think my I killed my tag out buck on December the 5th. And judging by the trail camera ha- I had set up in that area, it had just really gotten heated up as far as bucks chasing does and stuff. Um, so, Drew, you recently tagged out as well here last week. Tell me where um, about your rut is for that area that you were hunting. I know it's a little bit different from um, from where I'm hunting as well. Yeah, it's um, it's it's really unique because um, I've actually got to hunt two ruts this year um just just where we're at um and in one part of the county it's it was the um just like you said park around that um first middle of december um area and then this last one that i killed was um it was just like jordan was saying it's like a the 22nd and so it was it was the week before christmas and um and it it was like man it was we weren't seeing nothing and we didn't have anything on cameras. There was no, no tracks, no, nothing. And all of a sudden it's like somebody flipped a switch and everything just broke loose. And, and, um, and, and so, uh, it was, it was cool. Cause I, I killed a buck the first of December and then I killed a buck, to, um, towards the, um, in, end of December and both of them were, were rutting. And this, I don't know of, of, of another state that you can go to that has it so spread out like this. And then I know we talked to guests, that the you know first of November they were they were killing bucks that that were chasing does you know so it's mm-hmm. it's it's incredible. So you were um, that that first buck you killed at the beginning of December. That's what I, I that's what I kind of remember. And uh, let's see, the first buck you actually killed was somewhat like pre rutting, right? Like the fir- your first buck of the season. It was. Uh, which yeah, how yeah, it was when was pre-rut. that? That was probably because I killed two bucks within five days, so that was probably okay. around uh, December like seventh, sixth or seventh. Okay, so so you killed those bucks fairly close together, and then this one a little bit later. So you talked about uh, it seemed like it just kind of lit up all of a sudden. Do you think that maybe it could have been like another like a late late cycle doe just kind of came in on your property and it kind of lit up the woods. Is that kind of what it felt like? Um, no, this one was, um, the buck that I killed, um, right before Christmas. It was, uh, we, we started seeing tracks there on the road, bucks chasing does, um, started seeing a lot more um, scrapes and a rough pop up. And, and so it, it was, it was full blown, you know? Um, and so, yeah, it, it it was really interesting because it, it traditionally has been towards the um you know middle of december over in that area but for some reason it was just pushed back I, I don't know why it was just pushed back and it it lit up like a christmas tree man there was there was bucks going everywhere and so it'd be interesting to see i'm on i'm gonna go back at the end of january and see if there's a secondary just to just to you know see if there's a, a you know some some bucks chasing does towards the end of January, just to see if that whole, you know, four to six week theory holds, holds true, you know? 
Yeah, and the, and the reality is, is that may not happen. You know, that's not a guaranteed right. secondary rut. You know, a lot of times, right, you, you don't get the late cycle doe, especially if you're, um, if you have a good buck to doe ratio, especially like they'll they'll just get bred. So it's not an all the time type deal. But tell me this, Drew, and right. then we'll we'll get back to Jordan as far as like the mileage between where you where you killed the other buck and this buck. How about how far apart are those places? Uh, as the crow flies, eight to ten miles. Eight to ten miles, and a, almost a month mm-hmm. different of a rut. Yeah. And and then yeah. if, when you look at uh, where I'm hunting, which is probably as the crow flies, you know, I mean, twenty ish, maybe, maybe mm-hmm. not even that far. From where you're at, and and where we we get it at the beginning of December, almost all the all the time, and then at another portion of that, which is probably ten miles away from both of us, um, you're getting November rut. Like mm-hmm. a lot of those deer are coming into rut in November, which is just crazy <laughs> when you really think about it. Like that's just that's nuts. It's it's like no other place that you could ever experience. Now, um, I don't want to give the wrong idea in that there's just bucks running around like crazy like it is in the Midwest in a lot of those places. Like, you still have to go out and hunt them. You're going to go out and not see deer some days during the rut. Is is that kind of your experience yeah. as well? Yeah. I mean, there was there there was multiple sits where I didn't I didn't see anything. Um, and then it, <laughs> what it, what it also does to um, us having such a spread out rut is it makes for just a really long grind of a season. Um, and yeah. for, for the guys that are married or engaged or, I mean, it's, it's, you know, the wife's looking at you going, okay, like, I mean, you killed two <laughs> bucks in five days and, you, and you're like, yeah, but I got the rut still coming. And she's like, well, what, what you've been hunting? I'm like, well, I've been hunting the rut. It's just, so it, it <laughs> makes for you, you always have a lot of really worn down, uh, deer hunters and marriages at the end of January in the state of Alabama. <laughs> it's true. That's true. So tell me a little bit, uh, Jordan, the area that you hunt, whenever the rut finally does kick in, are you seeing just like bucks go like crazy or is it just still kind of just like kind of a trickle? Like you'll just see maybe it's a good sit if you see one buck chasing. How is it there? Since I hunt so close to super thick stuff, it's rare that I actually even see a buck chasing, like legitimately dog and doe. I mean, you might see some bumping around, or you might see one follow behind, you know, somewhat after, but it's very rare that I even see a, a deer dog and a doe. Yeah, I'm the same way. Like, I, I can probably count. I don't know. I mean, since I started doing the kayak thing, I, I see a little better rut activity just getting back to some unpressured deer. But before then in Alabama, I mean, if you saw one, first off, if you see a buck, it's more than likely going to be it during the rut. Um, and it may not be, it may just be a cruising buck. You know, you, you may, I can probably count on one hand how many times I've actually seen a, de- a buck dog and a doe. Um, and it's, it's awesome to see it because I'm the same as you. I'm hunting those thick areas a lot of the times where you just aren't seeing that kind of stuff. And the likelihood of it being a, a big buck docking a doe is even lower just because we don't have a ton of big bucks. Um, but so you mentioned that you're hunting in those, in those really, really thick areas. Does that ever 
change for you based on what time of the season you're hunting, Jordan? Are you like pretty typically like your setup is going to be about the same from October all the way through January? In the beginning, like in both seasons, I'll I'll pretty much get as thick as I can, like pretty much like in the middle of bedding if I if I can manage it. But once rut starts hitting, I kind of open up to more of the edges leading into hardwoods where I can catch them coming in and out of drainages or, you know, bucks from different areas coming by and just trying to catch that wind before they head in. Yeah. So explain that a little bit. I'd like to hear you kind of break that down just as far as like those differences in, because a lot of people be like, yeah, man, I'm right on the edge of this thicket, right in the bedding cover. Um, but it doesn't sound like that's maybe what you think. And, and I would probably tend to agree. So you're saying it's a little bit different when you're in the middle of the thick stuff. That's when you feel like you're in bedding. Are you going in and scouting and finding that bedding and setting over it, setting up over it? Is that kind of how you're doing it? Yeah, what generally, like when you get in that super thick stuff, like in Alabama, since our bucks, like it's so thick, a buck can bed in one bed one day and then walk two miles that night and just lay down anywhere because it's so thick. So it's it's hard to just nail a bed down and go, okay, this is where I need to be. More of what I have to do is you just find these corridors and the super thick stuff that they're traveling, mm-hmm. especially in the middle, you know, coming in and out of it. And you just try to sit that corridor and that's usually where you see your deer. If you're going to see deer. Yeah. So moving into the rut, you kind of are moving a little bit, a, a little further out into maybe not wide open areas, but what you kind of talked about just little funnel. Is, is it kind of basically like funnels and pinch points leading from that bedding or, or are you doing like more of like a, like terrain feature type, um, trying to catch cruising bucks kind of explain that late season or not late season, but rut set up a little bit more. Okay. So like a perfect example is that eight that I killed today, that wide eight, uh, me and a buddy gave a sit on him early season. Cause he, he was kind of daylighting. Right before bow season, he was daylight good, so we thought maybe we could catch him slipping up. Well, where I was at and where I situated myself during that early bow season, I probably had a 15-yard shot all the way around. Literally, he was going to be on me because at that time of the year, he's he has no reason to expose himself. And then where I killed him today was probably 200 yards away from there, kind of off of a road that he'd been making rubs and scrapes on and it's a finger ridge going down but it's between two pine thickets so he was still using those thick areas but he wasn't exposing himself in between them a little more than he would have during bow season where if you caught him he was going to be super tight i mean you were going to be maybe see him for five seconds and maybe get a shot what was it like in your actual setup? So you, you said you were kind of on a on a little finger ridge. What was the terrain like in your in your setup? Was it like some ditches coming up out of those thick pine thickets? Yeah, so those those two pine thickets, they set up on top. It was three like they're really short finger ridges, almost like rolling hills. Okay. So there was two 
two pine thickets up top above me, and it was a finger ridge in between them that was on a, a slope with two drainages that come up on each side of it. So what the deer were doing is they were leaving one pine thicket and kind of crossing that hump and then going into the other pine thicket. Okay. Was it – what? You said it was about 200 yards away from where he was showing up on cameras and stuff during during bow season. What was the reasoning? I guess the the main question is, is were you hunting that specific deer? Did you have a camera set up there where you knew that he was using that same area? Or was it just kind of a, just like shot in the dark guess of where he might be at? So during early bow season, uh, a buddy of mine, put the camera back there and he was daylighting like hard on like these little trails going through that thick stuff, but not out really in any, uh, anything more open. And whenever we hunted him during bow season, we were right on those trails. Uh, I put a camera in, the deer disappeared. He absolutely changed his pattern once bow season came in and he was gone for, probably two and a half months well that camera got pulled and probably about a month ago a camera got dropped back in and about two weeks ago the buck daylight coming out of one of those trails and what that told me was that and it was kind of a different trail it was leading out into some of the more open stuff Mm -hmm. so immediately i was like man this, this buck's killable he's he's just going to be wandering around in here scent checking you know he's he's got some cruising going on so as soon as i saw him daylight and i knew that i could kill him and i would catch him kind of more heading to where you know you would might see does cross like in some of those more open areas that a buck wouldn't just be in for no reason yeah it, it how as far as the buck density in that area is there a lot of deer is it kind of one of those things like, you know, he was the only buck that you had showing up on that camera or, you know, cause a lot of times in, in areas where you have a really low, a lower deer density and more importantly, a low buck density, um, they may, they may wander around just a little bit more, especially if you start seeing a lot of that sign open up, like say on a finger ridge, like what you're talking about, you have a pretty decent chance of if you're seeing the buck signs start to open up if there's not a lot of bucks in the area that might be where he's at is it like that or is it kind of again just a shot in the dark oh no there's not many deer in the area i think in a one month period i got the same four does on camera there's two smaller bucks and one random buck came through Hmm. that's interesting so four four does and four bucks basically that you had on that on that camera and one and one that was only one that was really what you would consider a shooter or what was that was the random buck a a better deer yeah the random buck was also a younger deer uh the younger one of the younger deer i walked on that bonus buck day he came out grunting at a doe and he actually snort wheezed but that deer was probably 70 inches and even though it was bonus buck day I knew I really didn't want to shoot that deer. Yeah. So that's interesting to to think about, you know, for a lot of guys who are saying, um, because you hear the same thing. I mean, in North Alabama and really across the South, like you just, you're not going to see a lot of deer. You're not going to see a lot of bucks. 
Um, our rut, like we've already talked about, is just not, you know, it's not like you're going to see in a Midwestern state uh, where bucks are just crazy running around all over the place. But one of the things that it does do is it gives you the opportunity to search out that that sign and those really, really good terrain features that are, you know, and it, and it may be subtle, like something you're talking about with a small finger ridge and, you know, a uh, some thickets kind of coming together on that on that finger ridge where you got, you know, a, a pretty hard transition. It's it's a lot easier to to pinpoint where maybe that one buck in the area might be at. You just find that the thing that offers him the best food security, whatever, does whatever it might be, and you can really pinpoint that and not get distracted by buck sign on every single ridge. You know what I'm saying? That's that's something that in in like Kentucky when I've hunted there, it's really hard not to get distracted by all the deer sign. I mean, you'll be driving down the road and see a line of rubs just right off the the gravel road, and you're like, man, maybe I should set up here. No, you still need to don't get distracted by all that because there's just deer running around all over the place like like crazy people. But here in Alabama, you can kind of key in on those certain things, knowing that there's just not a ton of deer. And we talked to uh, Nathan Killen. He talks a lot about that in um, in mountain country where he's hunting at, where it's just monotonous. He finds those little subtle things that might stick out to him um, that might offer the best. Because like you said, Jordan, um, you know, out here, it, there's a lot of thick stuff. There's a lot of areas that a deer, that a, a big buck could possibly bet at. And every ridge pretty much looks the same, but there are going to be some of those like just really small things that you'll be able to pick out that will say like, yeah, this is the, this is the spot where I'm going to kill him at. So I thought, I thought that was, that was super interesting. Um, so looking at your deer, Drew, can you tell me, uh, this, this most recent buck, your tag out buck, can you tell me what that kind of setup was? And then I want you to talk about um, the encounter that you had with a buck, a, with a real big buck after you already tagged out because you were still getting on the deer, just going out there and trying to kill does. So, um, kind of talk yeah. a little bit about that first one though. And that, uh, what he was doing, how, how you were hunting it, how you set up on it and everything like that. Okay. Yeah. Um, if, if our listeners remember, um, uh, in, in bow season, um, I had an encounter with, with a big buck and, um, and this was the same, same setup. It was in the same spot. It's a, it's a small two acre, um, two, three acre clear cut that, uh, just gets overlooked. And, and so, um, setup is there's a, there's a thick, nasty clear cut up top. There's, there's a, um, there, there's a ravine, uh, draw that comes up and, um, and then I'm sitting, um, on, uh, the, the transition line. And so it basically what it does is it pinches everything to me. And so, um, I, uh, gave it a shot during, during bow season. Cause, uh, it's it a cold morning during, during bow season. I was like, I'm gonna go in and try it. Had a nice encounter with, um, uh, a really nice eight point And then, um, and then also a full point and couldn't get a shot on the, um, on the, uh, big eight. So anyway, I, I tucked that away and I was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to wait till the rut. I'm going to come back in here. And, and so I, I didn't touch it for, oh man, o- almost two months. And so, um, my dad came down and so, uh, we, we, we hunted the week before Christmas, my pops came down. And so I was trying to put him on a deer, which I ended up doing. Um, he actually killed a little small basket rack, 
um, on another piece, um, 30 acre piece that, that I got permission to hunt on. Well, that's cool. So, I didn't know your dad killed one. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. It, yeah. He, he, um, killed a, a, just a little bass racket. He said it was the first buck he's seen all year. And, and so he, he's from, he's from Florida, Panama city. And so he, he saw horns in Alabama and he went to pop it. And so, <laughs> um, so, so put him on one and then we, we go the next day and, uh, I, I climbed back up and, um, I had told myself, um, and Parker, I've said it on the podcast. I, I was like, Hey, I'm going to try to make every buck bigger than the one before. And so I really wanted to stick to that, but I didn't. And so, um, <laughs> uh, and, uh, I was sitting there, I climbed up in, in my saddle was tucked in real nice. Um, the only thing that I could climb on that transition cause it, it, it was cut pines was a pine tree, but I was tucked up nice next to a cedar. So they, it was, it, it set up really well. And um, it was sitting there, and it was it was blowing about ten miles an hour. And for for this stand, I have to have an east wind, and and so I, I had it and went and sat on it, and was sitting there. And um, uh, man, probably around eight o'clock, um, I heard what I thought at first was uh, um, branches just hitting together, you know. And but it, it sure sounded like horns. I'm like, man, that sounds like antlers hitting a tree. And sure enough, I I looked I looked down about 50 yards away. There was a buck that was on making a scrape and was hitting a licking branch, and then also um, taking his horns and just I mean just hitting it. And I was like, oh my gosh, which is awesome to see. Um, and then then he steps out a, a little bit more and uh, just absolutely thrashes a, a scrub brush. I mean, just beat the junk out of it. And I'm sitting there watching this and it's not often that I, that, that, that you see, at least in, in Alabama, at least for me, um, I hadn't seen that much, you know, buck activity, rut activity sitting in a stand. And I mean, he's just killing it, man. Like he, he made a rub. Uh, he hit a licking branch. He, he's thrashing, making, making a scrape with rubs there. I'm just like, Oh my gosh. You know, I, I know. Um, and in back of mind, I'm going, Parker's going to get frustrated at me because I need to be filming this. That's what I kept thinking. I'm like, <laughs> I need to film this. And, uh, so I was sitting there and I was like, man, do, 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 do I want to shoot this deer? And a lot of things went into it for me. Um, one, I was with my pops, which is always awesome, you know? And so, um, and then also this was my first saddle kill. And so, um, and which, which I thought was really cool too. So, yeah. uh, so I, yeah, I, I, I ended up shooting it and he was, he was actually in the middle of tearing up that, um, scrub brush and, and I sent one and, um, and, I actually hit him, I hit him forward, hit him right in the brisket and, um, I, I blew it out and he, he jumped and he turned and he ran right at me and, and I put another one in him as he was running and he, he flopped and almost made it to the bottom of my tree. And so, um, so which, which was really cool, but it, it was such a cool deer hunt, man. Like it, it's just one of those days where you're just like, you just, man, I'm, I'm lucky to be out here watching this, you know? Yeah. And then. So that was, that was, that was that buck. And, um, but there was a lot of tactics that went into that. There was a lot of self-control. I'll be honest. I really wanted to get in there. Um, just because I'd, I'd seen some, some, some guys had some big bucks on camera and I kind of had a feeling they could have been coming from there, but the wind was never right for it. And I, I waited and I waited, which is very uncharacteristic of me. Um, normally I'm just <laughs> going in and just, I'm like, I'm just going to hunt it. And so, but I, I, I really held off. Um, played the wind right and um, sure enough came out and ended up killing him. And so that's how that one went down. It's, it, it's a great little spot. Um, it, it's a pinch 
that that they have to cross right there or come up out of the bottom and um man it, it just works out perfect and yeah. so i'm gonna i'm gonna try i'm gonna try to get in there next year and do the same thing it's interesting how similar you guys um and a lot of people may not even realize how similar that is to the hunt that jordan was just talking about um, you have a real thick mm-hmm. area. You have a cut over Jordan on in his case had uh, a pine thicket, you know, but it was a, just a, a drainage, basically a ditch coming out of that mm-hmm. thick stuff in, in, into the more open area. And when I think about, when I think about personally, the, the bigger deer that I've killed in my life, it's sets up similar. And with people that we've talked to on the podcast, a lot, you know, we were talking about that troll comment that that guy made about hunting thick areas. Whenever I think about the yeah. guys who we talk to a lot, you know, the Michael Perry's, Jamie McKay's, those type of people who are consistently killing deer, a lot of their setups are pretty similar to what you guys just just talked about. And so I don't I don't want to skip past that just like it's nothing, because realistically, somebody might be listening to this podcast for the first time and hasn't heard us talk about it. But I cannot stress enough, and I'm sure that you guys are probably the same. I cannot stress enough how um, well this this little piece of information, this little tactic, I guess you could call it, works of of finding those thick areas and um, and setting up on them. They're just great. Cutovers are something that people I hear all the time. People are hating on them. They're like, you just can't kill any deer because it's all cutover. I'm like, man, that sounds like a freaking gold mine to me. When I, when I hear about a cutover, yeah, I'm like, that's, yeah. that's where I want to be at. You know, that's, that's, that offers everything yeah. that they need. And if you can get on the edge of it, if there's any way that you can get in there and hunt it, you need to do it. Um, so Jordan going yeah. back, uh, three days ago, you killed a really, really good deer. And, uh, I know that was a special one for you. Can you t- kind of tell me how that, that hunt went down and we'll, we'll try to break it down a little bit. Yeah. So. The funny thing is, is both of these deer were killed out of the exact same tree. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, <laughs> I love it. I went, in, I went in to go kill that wide eight. Uh, I knew he was daylighting. I knew he was in there. And I got it. It was, it was overcast. And I love an overcast day. And it was just slightly like mist raining. And I was like, man. And I hadn't been back into this area since like bow season. I'd been waiting, and uh, I got set up, got in there, and I had actually there outside of those two pine things I talk about. You're in between two cutovers. There's two. There's one private cutover. There's one on public. So the, all this is split right in the middle of it. So it's just like a landmine. I mean, it's it's just deer sign everywhere. So I walked. I dropped a pin towards the back of the private cutover because that's where I thought he was, the big eight was coming from. So I walked back there and I walked past a trail coming through like just some privet. And I looked at it really hard. and I was like, man, this is really where I need to be. And I just kept walking. I walked another quarter mile. I got back to that private cutover, like right on the edge of it. And I looked at it and I was like, this isn't where I need to be. And I literally turned around and went and set up. I got in the tree at 4:10, but I was I got there at like three o'clock. I was walked back about 3:45, burned a bunch of time just kind of looking around, decided where I need to set up. 
Is this is this so morning about, morning or evening? This is afternoon. Okay. I had literally, uh, we got off work early that day because whenever it's a holiday, usually we, we cut out a little bit early. And I was like, yeah, man, it's just going to be a good day to go hunt. So I get in there, get set up. It's about 410. I'm sitting there, you know. On, on days like that, usually you're not just going to have an explosion of deer movement anyway. Well, I was looking, looking, and out of the corner of my eye, I seen a buck come out of that pine thicket. And I was like, wait a minute. And I couldn't, I knew he was a big deer. Well, my, I had dropped milkweed like five minutes before that, and it literally floated exactly to where he came out. But I had set up like 25 foot high. I use a Versa Aider, and I mean, I, I got super high. Well, I lost him for a minute. So I went ahead and got my gun up. I had, I had literally sent one of my buddies a picture of the hole and told him, I was like, I'll kill the deer here in like five minutes. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he hit that hole, dude, and I pegged him, dropped him. Literally have a picture of him laid down <laughs> in that hole. No, but he was like, no way. So by the from the time I set up to the time I, time I shot him was 20 minutes. Golly, that's awesome. Is it, yeah. is it a situation where you could have killed mm-hmm. it from the ground, or did you need to be up high? Oh, I'd have never seen that deer if I was on the ground. That's Because it's so thick, and, and just by chance, when I got that high, it threw a hole, like a perfect hole, about 70 yards down right to the end of that knob. And that just happened to be where he crossed. Wow. And so you... And that deer, I don't know. Go ahead, sorry. I don't know where that... I don't know where that deer came from. I had no pictures of him. I honestly feel like he came in there cruising and bedded for that day and was really headed back towards that private cutover where I feel like he'd been living most of his life and he just got caught sleeping. Yeah. That's, that's, that's pretty interesting. You know, you go in and you were going in and hunting the deer that you were, I would assume you were going in and hunting the deer that you shot today. Is that right? Yeah. So going in after a completely different deer in an area where you hadn't had a ton of pictures, you know, of bucks and out of the same exact spot, you shot two bucks in two days. That's incredible. Now, Drew, you had a similar situation almost where you went in early bow season into this spot, kind of saw what the deer were doing, had an encounter with a good buck, go in there later and kill mm-hmm. kill kill another buck. Um, but you had another yeah. encounter um, this past week. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, well, I, I had a, I had an encounter with a big buck. That's what it was. And it was, um, <laughs> it, it, it was crazy because I, I had – whenever I killed that other buck, my uh, tag out buck, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead. Like I said, my dad's here first saddle kill, but also like there was a part of me too, just being honest where I was like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to be done. You know, uh, um, hunted, hunted hard this year. Um, we got a baby coming here in about four weeks. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to be done. And so I'm like, I'm just gonna go ahead and shoot it. And then, um, so anyway, make a long story short, I, I did. And then, my brother called me the day after Christmas and was like, Hey man, I'm gonna come hunt for a week. I'm like, okay, great. Come on. And so, um, so he, he came up the week after Christmas. And, um, if I would have known that I, I wouldn't have shot this, uh, I wouldn't have shot that bug because, um, you know, hindsight's always 2020. Um, so I'm, I'm out there trying to kill a doe, um, it's during doe week. And I set my brother up and 
um, I I actually walked to another cutover, and I'm walking the um, transition line, and and it gets real thick down down by the creek, and I was like, all right, I'm just gonna sit here and just you know see if I can hear anything, see anything. So I sat for about 15 minutes and didn't nothing nothing was really happening, and I got ready to leave, and and I heard I heard a grunt out in the cutover, and I'm you know it's it's so it's so weird for us to hear, at least for me, um, to hear a grunt instead of Alabama. I'm like, that's a bird. That's not a, that's, that's a bird. It's not a deer, you know? And, um, cause it's just not, it's not like what it is. Like you see on TV out in the Midwest, we just don't have a lot of that. And so I'm like, that's, that's a bird. And then, but then it, then it kept hammering. I'm like, no, that's a, that's a bug. And so, um, I started sneaking down to where he was at cause I, I couldn't see him. And I'm like, shoot, I'm, I don't got nothing to lose. And so I, I, I started sneaking down towards him. And, and I saw I saw glimpses of them. I got I was about 50 yards. I saw glimpses of them co- coming through the cutover, chasing the doe. I'm like, this is crazy. And he he was a good deer, man. He he was a legit wall hanger, and um, he was bumping that doe. And I got within uh, 30 yards of him. And this is what's crazy. Um, the was coming over my back, blowing right to him. And I'm like, there's no way that I'm gonna be able to get close to this deer. So I was like, I'm I'm gonna go for it. And I just walk right at him. I'm I'm out in the middle. We we have a green field out in the middle of the cutover. It's only it's you know it's about 50 yards long, uh, 50 yards wide. And I'm just right in the middle of it. I'm not undercover or nothing. I'm just walking right at him. And he he's got his head to the ground. He's grunting. He he'll throw it up and look at her, make sure she's still there. And um, it it was just it was a crazy encounter that. I, I was just lucky enough to have, you know, um, I, I wish I had a buck tag, um, but it was, it was really cool. And then the next day I, I had another encounter with a basket rack doing the same thing and <laughs> wind was blowing right at him. And I was just like, my gosh, this is, this is God's way of tempting me. This is what it is. Like I, I'm trying to pass a test, I guess, because, uh, I, I, I saw two bucks in two days. And couldn't I didn't have a tag in my pocket, and I'm sitting there. I'm going, can I see a doe? I just want to see a doe. I, I didn't see a doe, you know. And um, that's how it works. It's man. the only time in my life I think I've asked. Yeah, I'm like, and so it was just, it was just crazy. But I, 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 I learned a lot from those two encounters. Um, I got some new setups, and I'm gonna go back to next year because I found some spots there. And um, but it was just cool to see how, like, when whenever they're rut crazy like that, you can they're they're just dumb like i mean like and these these were windy days like these were 10 50 mile hour winds one of those days it was actually blowing 30 i mean the gusts were up to 30 miles an hour and they didn't have a clue in the world that i was there or if they did they did not acknowledge me they were bumping does head to the ground just going for it that's crazy i mean it is insane to hear you you guys both talk and how just how similar the situations are and um, and when you, when you start talking about, you know, clear cuts and, and things like that, like, man, I can relate, but I cannot tell you how many times I've seen on a lot of these groups that we're on, on Facebook and stuff where I see people complaining about all the cutovers. Again, I know I've, I've already talked about this a little bit, but they talk about how, you know, that's cutover. You don't want it. You don't want the, the, whatever the timber companies to come in there and cut down all the cut down all the woods and i get that you know that makes that makes a lot of sense to me but man from a deer hunting perspective that can be some of the best hunting that you're going to find and uh like i think 
let's see here. Two two of my bucks from this year were a cutover came into play. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, no, that's false. All three of them, um, somewhat some type of cut came into play. All three of my Alabama deer. Um, you know, I know Drew. Yeah. The same thing is is true for you, and it sounds like um, Jordan. The same same thing is for you. So. Uh, man, at first it was gonna we were gonna talk about just how different the ruts are all over the state, but maybe this podcast should be talking about how you should start hunting cutovers more because that's where it's at. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, hey, I, hey, Jordan, I have a question for you. Um, whenever you set up early bow season in these uh, real thick areas, what should, I mean, are you are you getting high so so you can shoot down, or do you kind of stay lower so you can get some cover? Like what? What does that look like? Uh, when I'm bow hunting, dude, I'm I'm really not trying to get more than twenty feet. I just don't like that extreme angle anyway, especially being right. that tight. Uh, it just puts a weird, weird geometry into play, and I don't. I, mm-hmm. I try not to. I really try to float around that seventeen foot. So I'll usually take three sticks and leave one on the ground with my aider. Right. Okay. Yeah, that that that's kind of what I was thinking, but I mean, because I mean, you you had made reference to, you know, I mean, a bunch of your shots were only going to be fifteen yards, you know, and that's that's also what I found, um, and because with 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 most of the clear cuts that I hunt, there's there's literally no trees to get up, so you have to you have to you know do the ground and pound, and and if you do that, I mean, you're you know you're ten or fifteen yards, you know, watching some trails. Um, so I was just wondering what your, what your setup looked like. Um, you know, cause I know it, it seems like with your gun though, you're, you're getting a little bit higher so you can shoot down into those bedding areas though. Right. Yes, correct. Uh, I'm just giving myself a little bit more height, especially like in that one spot, because both of those drainages coming up in between, you have a big hardwood mm-hmm. holler in the back that it seemed like deer from different areas were kind of coming up in to check out that they that like they'd never been there before so you might have one deer come up a drainage and then hop on the ridge with you where if you were lower to the ground you couldn't see down in that drainage you wouldn't have time to set up even with a gun for that deer to be crossing that finger ridge because it ain't but like 15 yards wide he would be all the way across it and then you can't see in the other drainage right right yeah i got you and then also you were mentioning earlier like you, you and your buddies were, you know, um, had pictures of this deer and, and y- y'all were hunting them. Did you ever do like a, it's, it's going to sound weird, but like a buddy system where you, he, like you would go sit on one trail of the cutover, he would go sit on the other, or did you kind of just go solo with it? So that during both season, we sat one hunt like that. And obviously okay. the deer never rode to either one of us. Well, three days ago, uh, or the day after I shot, the big buck we went in there to kill him uh it was going to be one of us killed him so and my buddy actually he set up super thick and the buck came in at 30 yards he couldn't shoot him because it was so thick even with a gun and the deer ended up winding him which is kind of heartbreaking i i hate to go back in and kill the deer you know (laughs) yeah yeah and, and the, the only reason that I, that I asked that guys are is that that's that's a great way to especially hunt these thick areas is to get a buddy and just set up on on different trails because he's got to come out somewhere you know and so and two is just a really fun way to hunt too so definitely 
And we, that's we, all I have, Bart. We hear people talking about that stuff all the time. Um, I don't know if we've ever talked about it on the podcast or not, but um, I've heard people, I mean, talk about tag team in that. If you've got, um, especially those big cutovers, and if you've got, in, in a lot of where we hunt, the cutover, cutovers are going to be pretty big. You're not going to find just a ton of small ones. And so when you find those right. those real big ones, you can find all of those different type uh, terrain features that funnel the deer um, all around the cutover. And I've heard people talk about doing that, you know, even if they have a bad wind, knowing that their bad wind might help their buddy out who's set up on, an, on another, yeah. you know, another ditch. Like that, that's a really, really good way to, to hunt some of these real thick areas. If you got some buddies that are willing to go out and all help each other, like that's a good dang way to do it. Um, and I think that is especially yeah. valuable when you're going into um, one an area where um, you you know absolutely for a fact that that big buck is living in that area. You know, if you got cameras out or you've seen him, you know, a whole lot of different times, and you know he's going to be in there, you go in there. Another time that that is pretty awesome is when you're hunting a new place or a place that you don't hunt maybe a lot you know you go into a wma that you've never been before there's a pretty good chance if you've got a big you know let's say you've got a big 70 acre clear cut or something like that there's a good chance in that thicket there is a deer and there's probably a buck living in there somewhere you know and you can go in blind and use that same type of system everybody sets up on a different spot and your chances go up very high of somebody being able to kill it so you know i definitely think that i don't i don't necessarily get to do that a ton i don't get to get to hunt that way a whole lot but i think it is a a very valuable thing to to do if you hunt with buddies a lot so um we're gonna kind of kind of wrap this up but i do want to want to mention um the the alabama department of conservation or i don't know is it i don't know if ours is called dnr or whatever it is um is the Alabama Wildlife and Freshwater Fisheries Division. So, they put out a post the other day about all the bonus buck hunts that you've got coming up on uh, on some WMAs. And uh, so, all three of us are, oh, are tagged out right now. So, um, yeah. <laughs> and, and I know a lot of people are tagged out. But the good thing about Alabama is a lot of these bonus buck hunts, they put them right in the stinking middle of the rut uh, in that area. So, you can go out and... Mm-hmm. And be able to hunt the rut and use a tag that you don't have, you know, that the state's going to give you just for that one day. So check that out. They, they posted it on Facebook. You can find it on the w, different WMA maps. If you're tagged out or, you know, maybe you want to go check out a new place, um, there you're going to get an extra buck tag on those specific days. So that's a good option. And I think, uh, I think I got permission to go and do one of them from my wife in February. So Sweet. I'm pretty fired up about that. I think it's going to be fun. And uh, I, I'm I'm pretty well done. Um, we've talked to you guys about your your uh, your buck encounters that you've had. I have officially not seen a buck since December the fifth, so I'm I'm not doing too hot. But um, <laughs> I hunted Tennessee for like three days, a new place in Tennessee I've never been. Um, our buddy Hunter Lindsay, me and him went out there. He ended up seeing a couple small bucks in one spot and killed a doe when we were down there. And uh, I went back uh, two days ago, I guess, New Year's Day, and didn't see anything. But I did uh, a couple weeks ago. I guess I haven't talked about it a lot. Um, 
I did kill like three does in Tennessee on private land, which was pretty cool. Uh, and so that's been about my my deer hunting for the last I don't know three weeks, four weeks, something like that. But uh, you know, I'm obviously not not able to hunt too hard right now because I don't have an Alabama buck tag. Anywhere that I could hunt right now, I, I would have to either buy an out-of-state tag or travel a long way. So, just not about doing that right now. It's been great to spend time with the family, but that's kind of my update for the last uh, month. And um, it's been good, though. It's been a great season. I know you guys are, are jacked up about your season as well. It's been been pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, I guess we'll wrap it up. Jordan, dude, I appreciate you coming on the show. It's always good to talk to you, man. All right, that's going to be it for this episode of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. Again, thank you guys so much for tuning in every single week for you guys who are faithful listeners. We couldn't do this without you, and uh, and we really do appreciate it. Um, if this is your first time here, man, I hope you stick around. I hope you listen to it every week on Monday mornings. We drop this thing at like 4 o'clock in the morning every single Monday, and uh, we're going to be getting into turkey season here fairly quickly. Um, but we still got a little bit more deer hunting to do. Um, I've got some some cool guests lined up for the next few weeks, so I'm really excited about that. You can always find us on Facebook and on Instagram at Southern Ground Hunting and on YouTube. Like I mentioned earlier in this podcast, um, we are really, really stinking close to 4,000. And honestly, by the time that this episode airs, we may be at 4,000. But if you're not subscribed, I would really, really love it if you did. Um, I try to put my heart and soul into these videos. I really enjoy doing it. I love bringing the content and kind of showing um, how I'm hunting and and the the gear that I'm using. You know, sometimes I'll do a gear review or something like that. But most of it is going to be just good old-fashioned hunting videos and uh, put a lot of time into them. So I'd really love it if you guys would go watch it, subscribe, do all that good stuff. So, um, yeah, that's going to be it for this week. Remember this. That God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. We will talk to you next time.